You're listening to the Joy Farmer Podcast, Episode 5. If you want to experience more joy in your everyday, create space to grow and raise all of your farm dreams, and fully honor who you are and what you value, then this podcast is exactly where you want to be. I'm Bev Ross, and I cultivate joy on my farm in the most surprising of places, and I can help you do the same. Welcome to the Joy Farmer Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Joy Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Bev Ross, and today we're going to talk about finding joy in rest. We're going to talk about the culture of overworking, why we need rest, and how you can get more of it if you find that after this episode, you are indeed not getting enough rest. And chances are you're not. So don't even sweat it if you're already listening to this and going, ugh, why does she have to talk about rest? I know, I know that I am so tired all the time. So before I begin, I actually have a few sources for this episode that I want to share with you right off the bat. The first is a book titled Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, written by Emily Nagaski, PhD, and Amelia Nagaski, DMA. Yes, they are twin sisters, and they are lovely, and I highly recommend you pick up a copy of this book. The other sources include two articles from Medium.com, an article from Scientific American, one from BBC, another from Elle, and a great write-up from salon.com. So you can find links to all of these sources in the show notes, and you can get to the show notes by going to joyfarmerpodcast.com slash zero five. After this episode is over, please go check those out and read them. They are all really, really great reads. So let's dive into it. It's not going to be a surprise to you that as a society, we glamorize overworking. And if you do any type of farming, whether it be production level or closer to the hobby scale, you know that the cultural expectation for you is to work from sunup to sundown. And you can see it in all of the motivational quotes that are all about hard work and self-sacrifice. They're plastered all over Pinterest, Instagram, and these quotes are laid over really beautiful photos of fields and livestock. They're hard to miss. They are in our faces. They are everywhere. You can also hear it in the stories that people share of all of the vacations that they don't take, the family activities they miss out on, and the sleep they deprive themselves of to finish the job or prevent their farm from having something catastrophic happen in their absence. And truth be told, I think that these quotes and stories come from a place of really good intentions. They're probably meant by the people who share them and write them to motivate us and connect with us. And that's great. But what I really see is a culture perpetuating the idea that there's virtue and righteousness in ignoring what our bodies, minds, and souls really need for the sake of bragging about how hard you work. And here's what's really between the lines in a lot of these quotes and stories. The idea that any failure or lack of progress by another person 
could be attributable to their laziness or lack of work ethic. And truly, we throw that word lazy around way too often. I even caught myself doing it to my own daughter. (laughs) One day, I told her, don't be lazy. Go get dressed for the day. But then I stopped myself and I told her, never mind, you don't have to do that. Because what if she just wanted to be comfy for the day or wants to have a chill PJ day? There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I share that as an example of how ingrained all of this really is in us. It's kind of mind-blowing. And the truth is, it goes against all scientific research on the subject. And on another note, this idea is also ableist. And what I mean by that is that it makes the assumption that quote-unquote hard work looks the same for everyone and should produce good results for those willing to do it. But we know that our physical and mental capabilities are not all equal. So to give you some examples, I did a quick Google search on some farm quotes, and here's what came up on the first page. Now, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. These quotes are not attributable specifically to anyone. I'm sure that with enough time and research, they could be. But we know how quotes get muddled on the Instagram. So a lot of them didn't even have a name with them. And some of the ones that did, I wasn't 100% positive that they were right. So these are not attributed quotes. They are just intended to be examples. So one of them says, I'm a farmer. I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. In the city, we work until quitting time. On the farm, we work until the job is finished. Now, I'll cut in really quick and tell you that is not true. I've lived in both the city and the farm, and people are overworked in both places. So this one really made me laugh. It's it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. That's actually a quote from a league of their own, and it was typed over a farming field. Not a moment of life is wasted on the farm. Others may have been more places, but they haven't outlived me. I mean, I'm not even sure what that means, but we'll talk about going and exploring new places in a minute. And the last one I'll share is, to be successful, the first thing you have to do is fall in love with your work. I will never love chicken coop clean-out day. No matter how easy and efficient I figure out how to make it, it's still dusty AF and I'm touching poop. So I don't have to love that. But just because I don't love cleaning the chicken coop doesn't mean that I don't love keeping chickens. So that idea that we have to be in love with work is ridiculous. So where did this idea that in order to be celebrated, we have to overwork ourselves and be happy while we do it? Well, I will tell you. It started in the 16th century with the Protestant work ethic. It was a worldview that was held by white Protestants in Europe that made hard work and a quest for profit virtuous. And that attitude has unfortunately persisted for centuries. Sally Maitlis, the professor of organizational behavior and leadership at the University of Oxford, says that later, the drive for efficiency that arose out of the Industrial Revolution as well as the way we prize productivity, have further embedded the value of consistent hard work, often at the cost of personal well-being. 
In the 1980s, spending long hours at the office was seen as being a way to support an upward mobility lifestyle. And in the 2000s, society glorified entrepreneurs who wanted to change the world with their ideas. The only thing you had to do to be an entrepreneur is work very long days for maximum greatness and because you're fueled by passion. It's okay. Because, you know, when you love what you do, you're not really working, right? No, that's not true. And I think we all know that. Today, a lot of us overwork because it's what we have to do to survive financially. Crippling amounts of student debt, soaring costs of healthcare, and workplace expectations that we are available all the time for quote-unquote emergencies doesn't really leave a whole lot of time for rest. And a lot of farmers overwork because there just isn't enough profit built into their system to hire enough help. And some of us are actually farming after the work we do during the day to pay the bills. So there's a lot of room for overwork here. And in a nutshell, overworking is ingrained in us as something we're supposed to do to be viewed by society as successful. So when we have to do it because of circumstance, we just view it as normal. But Here's why this isn't sustainable, and it's time to change the way we think about working hard or overworking. When you're overworked, making clear, concise decisions is really difficult, which means that you're less effective and efficient in pretty much everything that you do, especially once you've reached that exhaustion point. And when you ignore your body's need for rest, you increase the likelihood that you'll become sick or injured. I'll tell you a quick story. Recently, I went on vacation, and on the very first night, I went to bed at 9 p.m. and I slept for 11 hours. That was my body demanding that I give it the rest it needed. And we lost a whole night of fun in New Orleans because I overworked leading up to that vacation. And it's a bummer, but I'm not dwelling on it. Inadequate rest and sleep have been linked to every common cause of death from heart disease to cancer, and one recent study even showed that poor sleep is a better predictor of developing type 2 diabetes than a lack of physical activity, which can kind of lead us to the conclusion that maybe instead of telling people to hit the gym to be healthy, we could be telling them to take a nap. Having downtime allows our brains to replenish stores of motivation and attention and be more creative and productive and form new memories. So in other words, without rest, we're slow, forgetful, and sloppy, and we're not able to retain memories from the amazing times we're having, which is incredibly unfortunate. And finally, without rest, we have the possibility of losing our moral compass and sense of self which means that we can end up moving through the world in ways that don't truly reflect the things that we value, which is not how I want to move through the world. I know that for sure. So how much rest do we need? According to behavioral scientist Emily Nagaski and her twin sister Amelia Nagaski, 42% is the necessary portion of the day we need to rest to function optimally. And that works out to about 10 hours a day dedicated to rest in its different forms. So don't freak out too much. There's more than one way to get rest, and I'll tell you about them in just a bit. And if you're thinking, 
I don't have 10 hours a day to dedicate to rest. The truth is you can either start making small changes to get more rest now, or you can continue the cycle of overworking, burning out, getting sick, being injured, and making less than ideal decisions for forever, which I don't think anybody really wants to stay there. And something else you should know is that you don't need to get 42% of rest every day, but you should balance it out over several days at least. If you find that you can't get out of bed on the weekends, that is that 42% catching up with you from your unmet biological needs from the week before. So remember, if you're overworking yourself all week long, you're running the risk of giving up your weekends to just resting, which there's probably some fun things that you want to schedule on some weekends, especially now that there's a few more things to do out there, right? And it's really important to remember that how much rest you need is not a matter of willpower. It is a matter of biology. You can get by with less rest for short periods, but it will catch up with you eventually. And that's really important to note because sometimes we really do have to work hard and pull out that grit and get the things that need to get done done. I mean, especially on a farm. You never know when a piece of equipment is going to break and things are going to take longer or an animal is going to get sick or the weather is going to dictate that you go out and do just a little more work in your fields or your garden. That is totally fine. That is totally normal. But what we're talking about here is making rest a part of your regular everyday operation. So that way, when those seasons come up that require more work or those emergencies arise that are true emergencies, you have the bandwidth and the brain space and the power to get through them. And that's really important because we're all going to have wrenches thrown at us during the day. So what I'm talking about is not just totally giving up when it gets hard. It's talking about giving yourself the tools needed to really be able to pull up that grit when it gets hard. And it's important to remember that if you do continue to push through day after day, week after week, either your body will force you to rest or you will pay the price in decreased performance and by getting sick. So now we're going to talk about how we can get this rest that we know we so desperately need. I have good news. It doesn't all have to be sleep, which when I heard this, I was incredibly excited about it because I am a person that gets a really good amount of sleep. I like to joke that sleep is my love language. I love to sleep. Um, but even I was wondering how am I supposed to be in bed for 10 hours? <laughs> well, you don't have to be. As far as sleep is concerned, most adults need approximately seven to nine hours. So if you've been sleeping nine plus hours and you're still feeling exhausted, you should really go talk to your doctor. And if you're about to say that you get five to six hours of sleep every night and feel fine, you don't. You just think you do because your lack of sleep is impairing you cognitively. And here's why. Research has found that after 17 hours without sleep, our alertness is similar to the effects of a blood alcohol concentration of 0.05%, which according to U.S. law is considered impaired on the legally drunk scale. 
And after 24 hours without sleeping, the body is in the same state it would be at a BAC of 0.1%, which is well beyond the 0.08% BAC that identifies someone as legally drunk. So basically, lack of sleep means that you are operating impaired. And let's do some quick math on that. Say you go to bed at midnight and wake up at 5.30 in the morning every day. By the time you go to bed, you've been awake for 18 and a half hours. So that means that for that last hour and a half of your day, you were impaired. And for several hours before that, you were heading for impaired, which means that for several hours before that, you were not at your best. You were not being your best self. And in the evening, if you're like me and you have a partner and a family, that is the time that you spend with your partner. That is the time that you spend with your family. And that's really the time that we want to be at our best, or at least that's the time I want to be at my best. So all of this means that if you sleep eight hours a day, your body and mind just need another two hours of rest. And there are lots of different ways that you can get that. The first one is exercise. And I know getting active doesn't sound like rest, but Rest is anything that helps you deal with stress and gives you energy. And getting physically active actually fits the bill on both accounts. So if you have a regular workout routine, awesome news. That counts as rest. Another is social interaction. And yes, introverts, even for you. To do this, just set aside some uninterrupted time to converse with your partner, your kids, or a friend. It will leave you recharged as long as it doesn't drag on for too long, if you're introverted like me. Another way that you can get rest is by taking time to appreciate your meals. And here's the great news. It doesn't necessarily matter what you eat. You just need to do it without your phone in your hand, a computer screen in front of you, or the TV blaring. Just you, your bowl, your spoon, and maybe someone you love to converse with. And... If you do that last one, that contributes to rest on two accounts. So yay you. And another thing that you can do to get rest is just have a little bit of free time. And your free time can be anything that you enjoy doing. Sit under a tree, pet a goat, idly walk your yard, pasture, or your garden. Relax on the porch and listen to the birds for 10 minutes. You can do anything with your free time except try to be productive. That's the only rule. Sometimes on my own free time, you'll catch me mindlessly pulling small weeds while I putz in the garden, but I do it in a way that makes it rest. No tools, no agenda, just me stopping to admire each garden area and plucking here and there to tidy. It's a no pressure thing. So if you want to walk your garden and do that, that should totally work as well. And vacations are great for hitting the reset button and catching up on lost rest as long as you don't bring work with you and go somewhere new that makes your brain work in a different way than it does at home. So here's an example. I work and live on a farm. I could not do a farm vacation and really consider it rest. I mean, it would be somebody else's farm, but chances are I'd be doing a lot of the same things that I do here. So it wouldn't make my brain work in a new way. But 
what does work is like for us, we went on vacations to New Orleans. That was totally different than where we live here. Lots of people, lots of incredible food, lots of experiences and things to take in that we do not get here on a regular basis. Making your brain work in a different way kind of resets it and allows it to suck in that rest. But just so you know, studies have shown that the benefits of a vacation fade after just a few weeks, which means that we need a lot more than the one week-long vacation that most people get to take. So vacations aren't really a good solution for fixing the damage done by keeping overworking as your standing operating procedure. We've really got to make changes to fit rest into our everyday. So if you aren't really sure how to fit some extra sleep and rest time into your day, here are some ideas. The average American spends about five hours a day watching TV and doing chores such as housework, meal prep, household shopping, laundry, and yard work. So you may have to get creative in how you organize and prioritize your time. One idea is you can combine your TV time with exercise. You can also share the chores with your partner and your kids. I promise you they are capable of it. They won't do it your way, but that's okay. You could also maybe hire out some of the yard work or housekeeping. Maybe someone helps you with the lawn or the yard maintenance or comes in and does a deep clean on the house every few weeks. All of that will help buy you a few extra hours of rest per week. Right now, it's also really common to be able to order your groceries online and pick them up. So you can sit in an evening and add things to cart and then just go pick up the weekly groceries while you're out doing other things. That can actually save you a lot of time. And for me personally, we've been doing that. We save hours every week, but it's because the grocery store is a one hour round trip drive just to go do that. So it saves us a lot of extra time doing that. And they happen to deliver our groceries to our town, which is super handy. So I don't even have to do that hour long drive to go to the store to pick them up. Another idea is to maybe do some meal kits that make making meals faster. Or maybe you can order in a few times a week and support a local restaurant. So I promise you that breaking old habits regarding working and how you spend your time will not be easy, but it'll be worth it. What's essential is making conscious decisions about using your time and getting that 42% that you now know that you need. And here's the last thing I want to let you know about rest. You are worthy of rest, not just because it can make you more efficient or productive. You're worthy of finding a way to give your body what it needs because you deserve to be healthy and joyful and the best version of you that you can be. And you can't do that without rest. Science has made it clear how much rest we need. It's now up to us to make it happen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joy Farmer podcast and found it helpful. I look forward to talking more about rest and bouncing ideas off of each other. You can send me emails over at joyfarmerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can connect with me over on Instagram at joyfarmerpodcast. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, farm what brings joy. Thanks for listening to the Joy Farmer Podcast. 
You can find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes over at joyfarmerpodcast.com. And don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at joyfarmerpodcasts.